Welcome to the Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Versero here on the Michigan Business Network. I am so excited to have with us today a broadcasting legend, and I I, I know he's humble and probably doesn't want to grab that title, but uh, look, anybody that's been doing it for as long as this guy is doing it, um, it is certainly legendary. And so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome uh, Tim Stout to our show. He is the Dean of Sports in the greater mid-Michigan area. Tim, how are you today? Good, thank you, Vic. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you know it is, and it's been a while since we talked, and I've I've uh, had the honor of being a part of your show, and so you're returning the the honor back to here, and it truly is an honor to have somebody like you that's been doing this for so long. As I was preparing for the show, I noticed it was 51 years that you've been doing broadcast, and I think uh, your radio show is the longest in Michigan radio history. Is that do I have my facts right? You do, I guess, and uh, from what they tell us, uh, the historians and that, of course, you know, that can, that can. I mean, I, I, you don't take anything for granted, <laughs> you know, in this business, and especially the older you get in a variety of different ways, but uh, on radio, we're in year 29, and frankly, it started in radio 51 years ago, as a kid just out of high school and into college, and it's just kind of evolved ever since then. It's a dinosaur resume, frankly. It could never be copied again in, in today's world, frankly. You get asked by people, you know, give me some advice for my son or daughter on this. And it's a little tougher to do because it's an ever-changing world in this type of business. And not only that, uh, it, it's not, in my case, any kind of a formula. It just kind of evolved the way it has. I mean, I think there are always some pieces of advice that you could generally give anyone, especially younger people moving forward, as perhaps you could do that would apply in a lot of different ways. But, you know, when I go speak to college classes, they're almost dumbfounded when they, because they all want to know, well, what's the formula for me to do that? (laughs) And that's not an easy question to answer simply because I didn't have it work out necessarily by a specific formula well and you're you, you you make a great point because this because it's such a dynamic change and the changes that that have taken place in terms of just the radio uh, formatting has been quite uh, dramatic and so you know in in years ago I think every little radio radio every little town used to have its own radio station and then you'd have all of these uh, the, the the power of the networks that would come in and everything else and now with so many formats whether it's this one like a podcast uh, scenario going across the World Wide Web or, or even local shows, um, they're relying on different different things. But but let's go through a, a little bit of a nostalgic uh, trail on this because when it goes back to where you got started, it, were you just smitten by this early on, or did you, were you a little kid practicing with a with a fake microphone in your garage, just having fun with it? Or how what was the what was the origins of all this? Well. I was in, you know, I wrote for the high school student paper because I kind of had a fascination with journalism and I always enjoyed sports. And then, so I went into journalism at Michigan State University and I enjoyed that. And I always thought I was going to write. I was in the sports information department and I did a lot of writing and I thought, you know, uh, and I enjoyed writing, uh, which frankly I think helped me tremendously. Mm. And in those days, you, a lot of the broadcast media ownership was small town owners and they made their livelihood today. It's all corporate for the most part. But then uh, there was a small town guy had a small town radio station 
and he wanted to he knew who I was from just kind of reading some of the stuff I'd written in the weekly newspapers and uh you know I got to know some of the right people at the right time and I didn't cost very much and I always <laughs> yeah. tell young people I always tell young people if you don't cost very much you've got an asset over a veteran who's had a lot more time but costs a lot more yeah. because you're not you're not a big investment and I you know at first I wanted to make a lot more money like anybody would but as time went on, I realized, you know, this is an advantage. I don't cost these guys very much, so they don't have a lot invested, so the stakes aren't quite as high. But I had a small-town uh, radio owner came to me, and he'd been here a long time, and he had a little FM station. He wanted to add a little 3 o'clock, 5-minute daily radio segment, and what is I interested? And I, he gave me a tape recorder. And I did that. I don't know how long it wasn't, you know, but I enjoyed doing it. One thing led to another. But I got to know in that forum people who were in the business. And when you get to know them, I mean, I always tell people there's a lot about who you know more than what you know. There's a lot to that in business, especially as you get older. And if you don't burn any bridges along the way, that also is going to help you. And I had those ahead of me say, hey, this job's open here or that one's open there. And even though I was still in school and in college at the time, most of my days as an undergraduate, I didn't have a lot of time to party because I went uh, through a full 15 credit, uh, you know, quarter system at Michigan State. But I worked 39 hours a week, (laughs) not 40. 40, they'd had to give me health insurance. 39, they didn't have to. Too funny. (laughs) And so so I spent all my time either working or going to school, but I enjoyed what I was doing, and I got a little more fascinated by the broadcast end of it, and that's just kind of the way it worked out. Man, what a start and what a deal. What an opportunity is for us to have the Dean of Sports right here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Bershiro, and we'll be right back. Do you like to travel for fun and excitement, craving a relaxing getaway? No matter where you want to go or what you want to do, you can trust Dean Trailways to get you there. Our luxury motor coach lets you relax while you travel. No traffic to worry about, no parking fees, no hassle. Are you looking for some sizzling excitement this fall? Let Dean Trailways bring on the heat and take you to Firekeepers, Michigan's newest gaming hotspot. Experience the thrills of the slots, blackjack, craps, the live poker room, and indulge in the world-class restaurants, all while counting on Dean to bring you home safely. Dean Trailways of Michigan. Travel smart. You found the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verstero, and today, of course, we've got with us uh, one of our broadcasting legends around the world, I believe, because he's the longest-running Michigan radio show in Michigan history, and that says an awful lot. Over 51 years now, Tim Stout, so grateful you're here with us today. And when you were talking in the last segment, that very first segment, we were talking about um, that (laughs) they gave you a cassette recorder and go get them, Tigers. So do you happen to remember? Uh, the first uh, spot that you did. I mean, wouldn't that be something to have that recording still still available to us now? So, is that one still in your memory? It, well, it is to the extent that a lot of it was Michigan State sports oriented because mm-hmm. that's what he wanted to do. Because if you have a local type of broadcast and they promoted it heavily, you know that got to sales, they sold it, and so on, and they didn't have to pay me very much. <laughs> right. So it worked out real well for him. But I was intrigued by it because you know, I mean, you get. 
I, I don't know. I would get go to class and I'd drive out. And frankly, the station was a little bit between Okemos and Williamson. It was in the country a bit. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, and the digital end of it was not too big of a challenge for me because over 51 years of this, one of the enor- there are a couple of enormous challenges. Number one is management changes. And then number two is the, uh, is the upgrades in um, equipment. I mean, mm. the, the world is so different in <laughs> everything today, but certainly it is in broadcasting, going digital and everything else. But in those days, you know, you had reel-to-reel audio tape. I could figure that out. You had cassettes you recorded. I could figure out, record, and play and rewind. I could do all that. Well, I was intrigued by that. And then, you know, I mean, that's the first time I had worked with a wire service. So I would. it, it was taped. It was never live. It was taped like 20 minutes in advance. Yeah. So, you know, it was pretty well up to date. So if there was a breaking story, somebody threw a no-hitter this afternoon or whatever the case might be, you know, you can put that on there. I mean, it was literally a hard-news five-minute show, but I would flavor that, <laughs> as I recall, with interviews. But it's a lot easier to get interviews with, say, high school coaches or Michigan State coaches than it is with all the big-time guys, you know, who are busy. Plus the fact, you know, you're not one of the networks on the air requesting an interview. <laughs> right. you know, you're kind of But that never bothered me whatsoever because I just wanted to enjoy it, do it well, and they seemed to like it. They sold it. And, uh, you know, and then eventually it led to the to the CBS station in Lansing, the TV radio station, which had a very autocratic one owner who founded it and owned it for years. And uh, and the guy that did the TV sports on that station knew me pretty well. And he said, hey, for whatever it's worth, they're looking for someone in radio news. And the one guy they've got there now is named George Blaha. And he needs help. <laughs> so I got to meet him that way. And the two of us in um, what 1970 whatever we did radio news together and we also together broadcast michigan state football and i was the color man for a couple of years before he left because in those days you did not have network coverage of big time college football with one announced team in those days any radio station that paid a small fee could go ahead and broadcast the games. And most of them in Lansing, uh, you know, had their own broadcast teams. So, you know, that was a, and I thought, man, this is, you know, man, I've died and gone to heaven doing this because I was still in school at the time. (laughs) So, and I worked out for them because no health insurance, no full-time salary, but we have someone, you know, his, his pay that he likes is he's doing what he wants to do and likes his that, dream which of job. Course is the case. Yeah. Which is the case for, you know, kids coming out of school today. Well, of course. And of course, you know, and, and the price is right as far as it goes, goes with that. You know, it's, it's so, what's so intriguing to me. And I see this, Tim, and you do too, when you're coaching young kids um, or students or whatever, is that those people that know what they want to do in the world, when they, when they, when they figure that out early, um, then they're off and running, and they can go in a straight line towards their goals. And I think those students, those young people, end up way ahead of the rest of us that kind of, um, you know, slug our way through the through the world a bit. And so, in your world, you really, um, I guess, started out with a pen and pencil, and it ended up with a microphone. Um, and and there's been no looking back. I mean, honestly, that's uh, that's quite a start. It was in sports, and you stuck with that all those years. Yeah, I mean, and there were other opportunities that came from that in writing as well. I mean, I got to write a Sunday column. The local newspaper here said, would you write on Sundays? 
and that went 10 years and it only changed on a management change. Uh-huh. And, and I didn't, you know, that wasn't worth a lot, but I, you know, I enjoyed the writing end of it. And, uh, and I wrote two books, uh, and, and the classic about that was, is when I was asked to be, a, you know, one of them was just to write on the first 30 years of, of doing what I did. And I said, I'll do it if we can give the profits to the hospital. And oh, the, wow. believe me, that stimulated sales because otherwise <laughs> why would anybody want to read that? The problem was, is that I was doing this stuff in a computer world where I wasn't using computers very much. And early on in both of those ventures, I had lost pages because they didn't know how to save the computer stuff. Uh, I mean, that was, there was a harsh reality of getting, cause I grew up writing on a typewriter, frankly, <laughs> yeah. of which I still use today in my office at home where I'm talking to you now, <laughs> I'm looking at my electric typewriter, of which I have two, because it's just more convenient for me for small things like notes to clients or sure. whatever the case may be well. more than a computer. Now my kids and my wife both think, you know, uh, he's so far out of touch with reality today, but if that's what he's going to do, why are we trying to stop? Him? Listen, and yet they've helped me, you know, and they've helped me even get up, up, you know, up to yeah. date a little bit since. Then. Well, it's all about getting noticed, and when you send somebody a typewritten note off an old typewriter like that, they're going to notice that for sure. Well, we've noticed they you, do. Tim, and we appreciate you. We're so glad you're with us today on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Load, and I'm with Tim Stout, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Chris Holman, and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero here on the Leadership Lowdown with the amazing Tim Stout. He is the Dean of Sports, and his course, his 51-year career, is something he's sharing with us today, and we're so grateful for his time. Um, Tim, I want to ask you, as you think about uh, what you've seen in 50 years and experienced, um, that's something that makes me want to pick up a pen and start taking notes. And so when I think about uh, some of the people and some of the uh, examples of leaders and and uh, um, coaches and uh, just anybody that's been through your life. Uh, tell me some of the highlights, some of the people that you learned the most from. Anybody come to mind? Well, I get asked that question over all the years because uh, you meet so many people when you're in the media to begin with. I mean, you work with them, you work for them, yep. and those are the companies. Then you cover them, uh, and then you're out in public and you meet people. I mean, the one that comes to mind always is Nick Saban, when he was the uh, football coach at Michigan State for five years, mm. from uh, 95 to 99, I hosted his television show all five years. Oh. And, uh, and let me tell you, he, he isn't today, you know, what he was then, but his, his leadership capabilities and his principles, in my opinion, have never changed through the years. Wow. He's in a position 
later in his coaching career, my belief is where he was at stops, especially now at Alabama, where it's it's just more he has a, a, the availability of getting players that can get him to where he he uh, is today. And uh, but he, he was ex- he is extremely driven. He's three years younger than I am now, but he looks younger than that. Uh, and I think he's very at least he taught me. I've never seen anybody who is so organized. I think he comes off publicly a little bit more stiff than what he is, uh, you know, in reality. If you are working for him or if you play for him, if you're around him, I don't think what he asks you to do is excessive, not beyond what he would do himself. However, you know, you're, when I hosted his television show, I knew his routine. I knew what he expected. I knew what he thought. I didn't have any trouble with him at all. He has a sense of humor at the right time at the right place hmm. in that. But, you know, he's under enormous pressure and stress in the position that he holds today. And at Michigan State, he was just beginning his head coaching career. I couldn't have predicted then that he was going to have the success he has now. But I thought that as long as he stays in coaching, he is going to be driven to succeed, and I think he knows how to do it. When he went to LSU for Michigan State, he wrote a book on what he thinks of leadership and principles for anyone to get ahead. I would highly recommend that to anyone. Mm. It's the book that he wrote when he was the coach at LSU, but all of that still applies years later today at Alabama. So, Tim, could you, when you look at him, did you, did you, did you, uh, 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 did you recognize it's? I, I know you can't predict what he's been able to do, but did you recognize in him that there's something special going on here? Or do you see that yeah. kind of in all head coaches? No, I did. Uh, you know, he he replaced George Perlis, who he had a great deal of affection for because George gave him a shot. He was a defensive coordinator at Michigan State under George. And when George left, Nick had already left because Nick, you know, Nick was in the NFL. He learned a great deal from Bill Belichick at New England, who was oh. not at New England at the time. He was in Cleveland. But I think Nick figures there's a couple of ways to do things. And if you can do things better than whoever you're competing against, you know, and he wasn't fooled by the terminology of work hard because that just is a given. You have to work hard. He wanted you to work smart and take the time and the effort that you use, which I've observed through the years, is do you, how do you work smart? And do you get people around you who are going to make you better than what you already are? Yeah. I mean, in terms of assistant coaches through the years, he hasn't had many assistant coaches who didn't go on to have success themselves. I mean, I think Nick can identify people who can help him, uh, you know, a great deal of the time. I, I, I don't know of many coaches like him who weren't flawed in other ways. Uh, and I always thought sooner or later they might lose some games because of that. You know, Nick's very good around the players, but the public does not see that. When the players are on the field, yeah, there's it's a job, it's business, and he's stern about it. But behind the scenes, he knows that he's got to have those players believing in him, and they got to trust him. they got to know that he cares for them, which he does. He's genuine about that. I just don't think that he is the marquee guy that needs to be in front of the cameras all the time to show off his personality because that's just not where he is. Others are that way in his profession or in sports or in the media. I just don't think that was what he thought was what was the number one priority. He's, just, he's the most organized person I have ever seen in any walk of life. 
he's the most organized I've ever seen. Well, and maybe when we come back from our break, we should spend some time um, talking about some of those great things that you see in terms of the characters. You, you've witnessed, I mean, 50 years of Brock, and my gosh, the number of coaches and special people that have come through, and many of them, uh, you know, because I know you, you're, you're a great high school supporter. Um, I just got to know that, that some of those people um, maybe never get an inch of fame uh, but are doing some spectacular thing in young men and young women, uh, building building character and building uh, their futures. So, well, Tim, I, man, I'm 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 just really thrilled with uh, with having you here. So grateful that you're part of the Michigan Business Network here on the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. We're gonna take a break and come right back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and I'm here today with Tim Stout. He is the Dean of Sports and a broadcasting legend found right here in Lansing, Michigan. And so we're so grateful for his time. And Tim, as we talk about um, the amazing uh, coach of, of Nick Saban and some of his success, it's undeniable. Um, I wonder if you have had some observations about people that have been in coaching positions where they're leading teams and they're leading uh, organizations. And if there's any critical components of what you think, you know, every one of the ones that have done really great, here's, here's the things they have. Uh, anything that we could make a list out of? Well, I mean, for the people that I've worked for, you know, through all the years, I mean, I've often thought to myself, uh, if you have people who work under you, depending on what their compensation is or the quality of the job is that they have, if nothing else, you've got to make their work environment something, in my opinion, where when they come to work each day, if nothing else, they enjoy what they're doing and what they're doing is appreciated. Mm. And, you know, if you're not paying them anything, you know, then you better hope that they're happy in other ways. Right. If they make a lot of money, they understand there's going to be, you know, a different level perhaps of expectation coming back. But in my years, you know, I've been around a lot of young people who get started in the business and along the way there's frustration. But you can say that in a lot of different businesses as well, because I think a lot of young people get into careers and they don't really know what to expect until they start getting some years of experience behind them. And for some, it works out well, some it's average, but some it's not very good at all. And to me, you have to create as a leader as good an environment as you can possibly create separate from the remuneration that all those employees uh, are going to get. And I've been around a lot of them who do get that, and I've been around some of them who never got that at all. <laughs> and when you had those that never got that at all, all you had was a revolving door oh, yeah. so that all you're doing is rehiring people. And but if training. Your reputation, yeah, and if yeah. your reputation is building in a negative way, then to me it's harder to lure good people. And if your reputation is good, then perhaps good people want to be around you. And I've seen that 
succinctly through all these years. Man, Tim, that is really powerful because when you think about our business audience, that's part of what I think building great organizations is all about is that you know we can pay people really well, but you and I both know that there's a lot of situations where you can't pay people enough to make them happy. And that's at some point in time, one of the most fleeting things that you do is give somebody a pay raise. It's the environment and the culture that you create along the way that really makes the yeah. difference. You know, there's there's a lot of ego uh, that, that gets into sports, and I think, frankly, some of that ego is what makes some players really good, and a lot of coaches are former players. So going from that ego, self-centered kind of uh, uh, maybe got to be a good team and a uh, good team player, but when you move into the coaching thing, um, does that ego have to be in check in your mind, or, or you probably witnessed all kinds of things? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different things as a leader to me, a lot of emotions that, you know, how well do you cover them? I mean, do people like being around you? Do they respect the opinion that you offer uh, or do they not? And, uh, you know, what other people say about you to others, you know, around. I mean, when I talk to students, I I tell them, look, I'm not the smartest person or anything like that. But over a long period of time, you can observe things. And, uh, you know, I always, I, in fact, yesterday I was talking to somebody and somebody was asking, what's the key to 51 years? I said, well, number one, you got to have some health. Number two, do what you're told by those you work for and do it cheerfully, whether you agree or disagree. Mm. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a way to, to disagree within reason. But, I, I, you know, I always tell people, don't ever open your mouth to someone else that it's going to hurt you. Don't become your own worst enemy. Be the greatest agent of yourself you possibly can. I've often said when you open your mouth doing whatever you're doing in business, you know, make sure it's helping you. And at the very worst, it has no impact whatsoever. But it's amazing to me through the years, if you burn bridges, it's amazing to me how through life, somehow that might come back to hurt you, especially in a competitive business. And I said, this may sound simplistic, but to be perfectly honest with you, I liked what I was doing. I've enjoyed the jobs I've had. I didn't want to risk any of that as much as I could. So when I was told to do something, I did it cheerfully and without a lot of conflict because I've also seen the greatest in the world of whatever they do can be replaced. If you take an attitude that, well, they can't replace me, you're going to get replaced sooner or later. (laughs) I've often thought they can replace me with no problem whatsoever and life will go on for everybody. But I really believe that. In fact, I still, I truly believe that, you know, attitude's a huge thing. Are you someone that people want you around because you're a contributor? You're not a detractor. Right. you can be frustrated and you can take that home with you and show the frustration. And for that matter, you don't have to agree with everything, but know when to hold them and when to fold them, Man. in my opinion, when you're disagreeing with management who you work for. Tim, that's great stuff. And I have to tell you, you know, we make we all make choices. And what you're re- reminding us uh, is that we're in charge of those choices. We're in charge of our attitudes. We're in charge of how we respond to things. We can't always uh, determine what's going to happen, but we can determine how we react to it. And so, um, man, that's just great advice and worth the price of admission right here. Thanks so much, Tim, for being part of the Michigan Business Network today. Thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back.
Air has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. You found the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with, of course, Tim Stout, the Dean of Sports and a broadcasting legend of over 51 years in the business. Um, and I'm just loving this. And as I think about it, Tim, you know, there's a lot of uh, people that don't have that type of experience. And, of course, that means they don't know some of the people that you knew before they were somebody. And so when I think about um, a little kid that uh, was pretty tall for his age, uh, by the name of Johnson that was around here a number of years ago. Uh, did you did you kind of get to know him a little bit from, from his high school days? Well, you know, you get asked a lot about, you know, who's the most memorable person you ever covered. And, you know, most people, especially who had the number of years that I've had, would say somebody much later on than the start. And I was on the air in 1969. That was radio. That was part-time. And then the full-time television frankly, came in uh, the fall of 1970. And Magic Johnson, who was Irvin Johnson when he started, yeah. was uh, at Everett High School in Lansing in 75, 76, and 77. And a good friend of mine who wrote and covered the high school basketball at that time had told me about him. In fact, he's the one who nicknamed him Magic, and I told him that night, on because he wanted to know if I'd agree to call him that, and I said I didn't think it would ever stick. <laughs> which, of course, was a classic prediction right along right. the way. It immediately stopped. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I mean, the, I, and I've often said that the three favorite years that I've enjoyed the most, there have been a lot of them, but 75, 6, and 7 covering him. Because in those days, you didn't have cable TV. You did right. not have the right. dominance of Michigan State basketball the way you have it today. And wherever he played, we did every single one of his games on radio every year. I mean, I did every single game, I, not initially in his sophomore year, because he was just coming on the scene. Freshmen did not play high school basketball. They were in the middle school of that. But when he came on and when things got going and when the word got around town and wherever they played, you know, I mean, it was just absolutely packed. And you had the big-name college coaches here scouting him. And when he started, you know, he, he really linguistically, he had a long way to go. He was not used to being interviewed. He, he was not used to the limelight, and that took him a while. He, he comes from great parents, both of whom are still alive and live in oh, Lansing nice. today. It was a large family, and they treated him exactly the same as they did all of his siblings, <laughs> which I claim is an enormous factor today. His ego never, ever, ever was going to get out of line. Now, look, with some celebrity, it's very difficult to do, especially when he got to Michigan State and then further on to Los Angeles and the NBA. But it was amazing to me through the years with good people around him. And he had the people from Lansing, Michigan, influence him so that he didn't get carried away and get caught up in all of the Hollywood stuff that so many athletes today that you see struggle because they can't handle the fame and they can't handle their finances. Right. Urban got off to a bad start with his finances when he turned pro. But when he got back to Lansing, the people here that he grew up with in terms of his elementary school teachers and that, they knew the family and they knew him and they got on his case hard and he listened well. And because he listened to the right people, look at the empire that he has built today, which is absolutely amazing. It's remarkable, right? 
you know, it really is. But but he, you know, he had good. He didn't get around the wrong people, which is what I would tell someone else. Who are you? Who are you spending your time with, either leisurely or in business? Are you around people that can help you? That it's going to be an upper, or are you around people that are going to cause you no good? Are not going to help you in any way that you don't trust? That don't have your own best interests at heart? Irvin, to me, has been around numerous people who've helped him in a variety of ways. He was smart enough to listen to the right people. But I also think a lot of that comes from the guidance of his parents yeah. because his parents are salt of the earth. His parents are no more celebrity-driven than the man in the moon, and, and he, has re, you know, he has reacted to that. That's why he has such a high regard for his hometown of Lansing, Michigan, and mentions it all the time. But when I get asked about influential people, I mean, I've given you Nick Saban, and I've given you Irvin, and they're clear, you know, they're obviously are many more. Tom Bizzo's obviously another one. I mean, he started in the Upper Peninsula. He had a dream of what he wanted to become, and he knew that he was going to have – he didn't know if he could guarantee he was going to become a big-time head basketball coach that achieved success. But to do that, who am I around? Who am I listening to? What is my work ethic? Okay, is every move I'm making is that move in my best interest? And I think in a lot of ways that has helped him greatly. He listens to other people uh, tremendously well. You know, he gobbles up information. I remember him saying at a commencement speech once at Michigan State when President Bill Clinton was here to speak at commencement. Tom was on the program, and I remember Tom saying, whether it's sports or otherwise, I always like to listen and be around achievers no matter whatever they do. And every time I introduce Tom or when I'm with him, I tell him that my memories of him over 26 years as a head basketball coach at Michigan State has nothing to do with basketball. I remember that quote he said, if you want to get ahead, in my case, I like being around achievers and observe what they do that has caused them to achieve in any walk of life. And, of course, he was making reference to someone who had gone on to become the president of the United States. <laughs> I think that's all really, really good advice. Oh, man, that, that is just rich. i got to tell you, you know, uh, being around people that have been successful and, of course, uh, seeing that they're uh, not so busy reading their press clippings, they forgot about everything they learned when, back when they were common folks. So, man, that's that's powerful. That's really good stuff. Tim, I'm so glad you're you're sharing that information with us today here on the Michigan Business Network. So glad you tuned in to Leadership Lowdown. We've got one precious segment left. We'll be right back. You can listen to the Michigan Business Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, on the smartphone app, and on its website at www.michiganbusinessnetwork.com. This is the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network, and I'm getting my absolute a writer's cramp situation here by taking notes on what Mr. Tim Stout is saying. Uh, he is a 51-year broadcast veteran uh, running the longest radio show in Michigan history and, of course, uh, espousing some of the uh, amazing things he learned over these years. And so, Tim, the, in this last segment, uh, you mentioned something about that I thought was really important, surrounding yourself with the right people. When, I, when I'm a celebrity, 
Um, I think I get the probably the potential of an entourage that gets built around me, and that that can be problematic. But I also think, um, you know, years ago when I was uh, working in a position, I had a pretty pretty high title, a bit, pretty big budget, and a lot of people that said yes, sir, and they really would kind of fawn around you. Um, and I think you can get your head twisted uh, by not getting good information or or people being truthful with you. Can can you sp- spend some time on that because it seems like you really touch the surface of something that's really important to business leaders. Well, there's no question and you know I grew up across the street uh and roomed with a son in college with uh you know the late great Michigan State football coach Duffy Doherty who was extremely popular. Yeah. He was a very gifted speaker. Uh, and I remember the, the best advice I, and I got, again, I grew up across the street. I was a kid, but I was on the air for a couple of years before he stepped down. And he was very big on the saying that, uh, you know, in life, take everyone else seriously, but yourself <laughs> don't ever take yourself too seriously. And I think Duffy, you know, you know, Duffy would use himself as, uh, you know, as kind of fodder for some of the one liners that he came up with. For me, it's a lot easier to do, as I tell people. I, I think the, the if you take yourself seriously, you know, you can take things in life seriously, and you can take assignments seriously in that and other people. But I, I've just found that you just can't take yourself that seriously. It, it, there's a difference between that and, you know, some of the tasks that you have that do require uh, you know, being serious at the same time. The other thing is I find a lot of people that are successful have found a sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a sense of humor is absolutely crucial in a very complicated world. People in business have to make a lot of tough decisions. They're in a lot of stressful situations, even if they're successful or, or not successful. And handling all that can be difficult. It can wear on you a great deal. And I think people who generally have a quality sense of humor and don't take themselves seriously, set themselves up to handle the stressful times better than if it's just constantly high stress all the way around. And that's why I always think of Duffy's quote in life, take everybody else seriously but yourself. But I think you've got to go ahead and, and be committed to that. Uh, you've got to convince people that, I mean, I always say to myself, you know, okay, to me, 51 years just means you've had a lot of blessings more than anything else. I, I don't, I never tell people that was because I was all that great. I just think you can be replaced. You can be in the right place at the right time. You can have a lot of great people around you who support you. I mean, I've had, you know, on the things that have gone well for me, the first thing I think about, they say, well, why is I said, man, I've had a lot of help from a lot of people, yeah. but I might've been smart enough to appreciate it at the time that I've had a lot of great people helping me. And I appreciated them along the way. If I take credit for anything for that, that is what it would be. It would be appreciating all the people who've helped me along the way, because if you don't do that, you run a tremendous risk of losing them and you can't lose them. I don't think you could ever get to anything achieved in life doing it by yourself Amen. no matter who you are you got to have people help you along the way man i think that's i think that's just so spot on tim i'm so impressed and so um pleased i just think that that's a it's a great takeaway from today's discussion all right i'm down to under two minutes so so tell me um in your mind the greatest sporting moment that you ever witnessed in person 
Well, I went to three Masters golf tournaments as a spectator, not the media, because I enjoy golf. I mean, that was Mecca for me. I enjoyed that. The last Rose Bowl for Michigan State in 2014, we managed to take the entire family out there uh-huh. and spend a week out there. And I mean, between New Year's and the Rose Parade and all that, it was a glorious time. I've enjoyed the basketball tournaments and all that. But I like the little things as well, too. I mean, the little or the smaller things. I've enjoyed the state basketball tournaments. There's something yeah. about amateur sports that I've enjoyed. And when I say amateur, I don't mean the colleges. I mean the high schools because those kids are going to finish high school and they're never going to play competitive sports like they have been going through it. A lot of us play high school sports and they get a lot out of it. Uh, and I've enjoyed that in many, many ways, just as much because of the human interest stories, especially from high school kids and the parents and the coaches and all that, where money isn't the, you know, the determining factor. Yeah. I, I just hope it gets to continue because there's a, a lot of, a little of everything that I've enjoyed along the way. And, uh, and the amateur stuff, I've really enjoyed a great deal. Well, you know, it's just in, in, incredible what you've seen, uh, what you've witnessed, and the fact that you're willing to share it. Uh, with our audience today, Tim. Thank you. I'm just I'm just grateful uh, for what you have shared today. It, it's just absolutely a PhD level stuff. Thank you. No problem, Vic. Happy to do it. Glad the show's going well and all that. I don't know if anybody's going to have anything any better out of this at all. Like I say, I mean, I you know, I'm not a Phi Beta cap. I don't have a big list of. The only thing is, I've witnessed a lot. That's yeah. all I can, you know, I tell students, all I can tell you is, I've witnessed a lot. So if you want an opinion on what I've witnessed, good and bad, I can do that. Telling you all the right answers, I don't have that. Well, but I can maybe help with a little witness. One thing's for sure. People can witness something, but whether they pay attention and have takeaways from it, that's the key. And you've got a lot of takeaways, and we've got them written down today. We've got them recorded here on the Leadership Lowdown. Tim Stout, so grateful you joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. Can't wait to talk to to everyone next time.